Hi, I'm Monica Hallen and this is my podcast, Let's Talk Money. Every Friday, a new episode will drop that gives you a snapshot analysis of one money-related topic that has meaning in your life. And then I answer your money questions. My hope is to put you on the path to financial stability and freedom. So, let's talk money. Today, I'm going to talk to you about savings and investing and why we should never use them interchangeably. If you don't understand the difference between saving and investment, you will never be able to optimize your money because one keeps the capital value the same and the other grows and grows it. But I'm going to cover some basics first. Your income comes from different sources. The most common, of course, is salary, but there's also rent, There's interest, dividends, profits, bonus, commissions. What you spend each month is your expenditure. The difference between the two is savings. Hmm, that's not rocket science you're thinking, right? But you know, this is the simple equation that begins to give you control of your financial life. Income minus expenditure is savings. Are your savings a residue or a target? Think about that. Does something get left over each month or do you set a target of what you will save and then you spend the rest? And that is the crucial difference between having control of your financial life or not. We all have the capacity to save, whether we save in thousands or in lakhs. But you must know that the process of saving is not enough. It needs to do some work. It needs to turn into an investment for it to be of use to you. Your savings maintains the capital value of the money. If you save 1 lakh today, it'll remain 1 lakh 10 years later if you stuff the cash in your bag and you just leave it there. But you know what? You're losing on two accounts if you don't turn this cash into investments. One, you lose purchasing power. The value of 1 lakh in 10 years, in terms of what it can buy, will be less than half due to inflation. What you can buy for 1 lakh today you will need at least 2 lakh rupees 10 years later. So, to keep your cash as cash, even in a 3.5% savings deposit, loses purchasing power of your money. 2. You give up on the potential of money to earn rent, interest, dividend and profit when you keep it just as cash and when you don't invest it into something else. It is when the savings get invested into different asset classes. What are these asset classes? There's equity, there's debt, which is FTs, PPFPF, gold, real estate. These are the assets that have the potential to give you a return. So you've put 1 lakh in a 3.5% deposit. It takes 10 years for this to become 1.4 lakh. In a 6% bank fixed deposit, it becomes 1.8 lakh in 10 years. Now let's up the game. 8% debt fund, it becomes 2.2 lakh in 10 years. And let's take it a notch further. In a 14% a year index fund, this 1 lakh becomes 3.7 lakh in 10 years time. You have worked so hard for your money. You need to get your money to work hard for you. You need to move from being savers into becoming intelligent investors. You know, a long time ago, I had a colleague 
who had this fear phobia of not letting money out of her sight she wanted everything in her savings deposit she wanted everything in cash she wouldn't even use a fixed deposit but what she forgot was that liquid cash sloshing around in a savings deposit is a honey pot for scammers she lost the pot to a phishing incident even just a fixed deposit would have protected her money there are all kinds of risks out there so don't think that only having your money liquid is the safest way to keep it it is not when you take the mental leap from being savers to becoming investors you're powering your future you are getting your money to build muscle and to work hard after a point the return on your investment becomes larger than what you invested you just need to have years ahead of you when you compound and the capital to do so we all must move from being just savers and make the leap to becoming investors okay let's get to the questions what do we have this week may Asha K. Jones from Bangalore sent this via email. I have a doubt regarding whether I should be investing in long-term stocks or in mutual funds and SGBs. What do you think? Asha from Bangalore, I want to unpack your question. You're asking me an either or choice. My answer to you is do you only eat vegetables or do you have a full meal with roti, rice, dal and veggies? Your question somewhere is asking me to choose one over the other and my answer always is a full thali meal rather than just one nutrient so let's go over some basic investing rules we know that savings become investments when they get invested into debt products such as fixed deposits or bonds into equity such as stocks into real assets such as gold and property each of these have a place in your portfolio debt products like fixed deposits they build stability and safety stocks equity funds gives long term growth real estate is good for own home living and gold is a hedge against inflation and you must know that mutual funds are products that invest in all of these asset classes which is debt equity gold and real estate okay so your choice is not between mutual fund and direct stocks because mutual funds are also investing in stocks You can choose to go directly into these assets, direct stocks or bonds, or invest through mutual funds, which then buy these asset classes and products. Asha, your first step is to decide how much of your allocation you want to make to debt or the safer but lower growth part of your portfolio. We have some rough rules of thumbs here, and this says that your equity allocation should be hundred minus your age. So if you are 30 years old then 70% of your portfolio is in equity so it's a rough rule of thumb use with caution suppose now you decide to invest 60% of your savings in equity choose an index fund on the nifty 50 or sensex and you can begin your stock market investing journey at once notice that i'm steering you away asha from direct stocks because the knowledge and time needed to maintain a direct stock portfolio is beyond the ability of most retail investors and the construction of your question tells me that you have a long road ahead in terms of understanding the basics of the market you need steady growth of your long term money and that is achieved by investing in an index fund 
at a more complex level of portfolio, you can add mid and small cap funds once you understand this space a little better. You have also asked me about SGBs. For those who don't know, these are the sovereign gold bonds. These bonds are issued by the government of India that allow you to hold gold in a very safe, in a DMAT form. These bonds also give interest to you and have long-term capital gains tax benefit as well. These bonds are especially good for people who are targeting a certain amount of gold, maybe for a child's marriage in the future, and don't want the problems of holding physical gold. As I began saying, Asha, you're trying to choose between apples and oranges. You need a proportion of both apples and oranges. My advice is this. Use the index fund route to build long-term growth of your money through the stock market. Don't go down the route of direct stocks. Use the sovereign gold bonds to target a future goal for gold with a specific use in mind. These options, Asha, are not interchangeable. So you must get your basics right before you start choosing products. Amit Maheshwari on email sent this query. My only question is regarding Robert Kiyosaki, who is very critical of stocks and advocates only gold or real estate and predicts the markets will crash. Your advice in the above would help me in my decision. My investment horizon is 15 years plus. Amit, we know that most elderly people go into retirement homes in the US. Most elderly people in India are looked after by their children. And I would be surprised to find an author who will write a book insulting his real father as a poor dad in India. Would you agree that the two countries are different in culture and environment? Our markets are also different. The Indian real estate market is not an efficient market. And a simple way that I look at it is to compare between rents and EMI. In the US, they are quite close to each other. So the choice between renting or buying is not that difficult. Most people are indifferent between renting or buying in a market where these two are close to each other. But in India, the EMIs are 5 to 10 times higher than rent. It costs you that much more to buy than to rent. Then in India, there's a problem of the cash part of the transaction. Most deals are still 30 to 40% in cash and only 60% is a check payment. And then there's a problem of this takeover of properties by tenants and other illegal occupants. Next, we also lack a proper property management system. And it's a big headache for the property owner to look after all the paperwork, maintenance, other problems. And these are all the kinds of problems which makes our property market very different than that in the U.S., now, to take an example of the U.S. property market and advise Indians to do the same is just plain silly. Do not fall for this American hard sales to a concept that does not work here. And then let's come to our markets. India has one of the most efficient stock markets in the world, Amit. Efficiency, how do we measure it? It's measured by speed, cost and safety of transactions. On all of these metrics, the Indian markets do very well by global standards. In fact, we are today setting standards for the rest of the world. You have a safe set of railroads. Now it depends what you run on it. Do you want a speed train, a Rajdhani, a regular train? Your choice of products will also depend on how fast you want to grow your money and how much risk you are prepared to take. Did you know that in the past 30 years, the Sensex return, just the average market return, 
has been about 12% a year. 1 lakh invested 30 years ago will be worth 30 lakh today. Also understand this, there are people who are good at real estate deals, then there are people who are good at stock market trading. You find out who you are. Most people I come across are better off getting the average market return than trying to get the best possible return and then losing all their money. You said you have 15 years ahead of you. You do the calculation on what an average 12% simple low-cost index return means to your money. This is the base level of return. If you can actually choose active funds, you can hope for a higher return than this. I have a little bit of tough advice for you. Let the American experts keep their advice for their markets. You should do what is good for you in the Indian context. The stories of getting rich quick are plenty. But most of those peddling the snake oil get rich on your money, buying their products and how-to modules. For us in India, Har Ghar Nifty is a great mantra, a steady average return that needs very little in terms of costs and maintenance. Amit, I really hope you take the right call on this. Let nobody shame you into taking more risk than you can afford to take. Kaustab Nalawade from Pune asks this. I have a question regarding SIPs and lump sum. In a recent article in Wealth Magazine, it was said that to achieve lofty early retirement goals, SIP alone would not suffice. You'll need to resort to lump sum investment other than SIP when the markets are down. How do I go about doing this while remaining a disciplined SIP follower? Kostop, I'm going to tell you something which mostly you will not hear. But the truth is that in a rising market, over a long term, a lump sum will always do better than an SIP. And you have to understand why. A market goes up and down in the short and medium term. But in a growth economy like India, it goes up over the long term. Now, if you had a lot of capital and you invested a large lump sum and then waited 30 years for your money, it would do very well. But you invest that money over the next 30 years, it would do well but less well because remember you are investing in a rising market therefore the growth will be so much lesser right so your sip would have done well but not as well as a lump sum in a growing market over this period but here's the thing kostup none of us have these large lump sums to invest at a point do we we earn a regular income we have regular savings therefore the sip product the systematic investment plan it's a product that matches our saving rhythm and is the best way to invest. But there is a role for lump sum investing. Let me come to that. When do you put a large amount of money in the market? It is when your asset allocation tells you that it is time. There is no other trigger for a lump sum investment. This is how it works. Suppose your asset allocation, which is the mix between equity and debt, is 60-40. You have 60% in equity and 40% in debt and that's your ideal allocation. Now, if stock markets fall and because of the fall, the value of your equity portfolio also falls, taking your asset allocation down to 50-50. You've done nothing. Market has fallen. You are now down to 50-50. But what you want is a 60-40 allocation. So this is your cue to either redeem debt and buy equity or put your incremental savings in the market to take your allocation back to 60-40. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. The cue to investing more 
or selling is in your own asset allocation and does not depend on how much profit you have made. My suggestion is that continue your SIB practice and if there's a lump sum, you can either stagger it through a systematic transfer plan or if your asset allocation is lower in the equity than you would like, that is the time to make a lump sum investment. Your takeaway is this. You decide your asset allocation between equity and debt. Use that as a cue for making a lump sum investment. Continue your SIPs as a matter of habit. And don't get swayed by sharpshooters who come and try and destabilize your investment journey with stories of the smartest way versus the stupid way versus something else. In this race, the SIP tortoise will always win. And that's a wrap for today. I enjoy answering your money questions. Remember, I don't look at individual portfolios. I don't recommend products. Look upon this space as a place to ask strategy questions, doubts, and just basic things that you might not understand. Each time you have a good money outcome, I feel that I have won. To make sure that you don't miss an episode, press follow and help your friends get money smart by sharing a link with them. You can reach out to me at mailme at the rate monikahallan.com. That's Monica with a K. Tag my social media handles at the rate Monica Hallan. And finally, remember that you should have money and money should not have you. So let's talk money again soon. Bye. Let's Talk Money is hosted by Monica Hallan. This is a Made in India production. Creative Director, May Mariam Thomas. Project Manager, Sean Phantom. Head of Audio Production, Karthik Kulkarni. Producer, Meghna Gulati. Sound Editor, Lakshman Parsuram. Artwork Design, by Alika Gupta.